Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you are well and feeling beautiful today. The weather here in the United Kingdom is very hot, I have to say, and us Brits do talk about the weather a lot. So today I've spoken to about 15 people who have complained about the weather, but look, I'm not complaining. Apparently it's lasting only a few days, so let's enjoy it while we can. Now, in these turbulent days, we can all have those moments of stress and overload where we can become overwhelmed. And we find it difficult to find that power within us to get us back up and face the world, especially in these times, let alone to aspire to reaching our dreams, whatever they may be. And it's also in times like this that we need to reach out and ask for help and advice. Whatever aspiration, whatever desire or dream that we have for a better life, whatever we are pursuing, we should strive to find those people that can understand our needs and professional help that can guide us along the way because the journey is a very long one to do it alone and we shouldn't be shy. It's times that we are in now that we have to reach out and help each other as best as we can and in fact not to let go of our aspirations but to find the strength to continue and to flourish help each other whether that be in a new direction for a career a job a new life all we need sometimes is the wind of change to come and i don't know whether you've realized this i've always noticed this that the wind of change happens when you least expect it but always at the right moment and ultimately whatever happens we must look out after ourselves in all spheres whether that be mentally physically spiritually emotionally let's not forget to look after ourselves so today on that note I am very honoured and very happy to have a extremely successful guest, and that is Raghav Parkash, who is one of the top high performance coaches, and who coaches and runs seminars from clientele that have a various background, such as CEOs, visionaries, entrepreneurs, directors 
business leaders, artists, therapists, lawyers, bankers, the list goes on and on and on. That is just to name a few. And Raghav helps eliminate, well, he helps businesses and their owners eliminate stress and overwhelm and to perform better, to create more impact in their businesses and work. And he does that through all the various seminars and retreats and also on a one-to-one coaching basis. And today we're very lucky to have him because he's going to share his precious knowledge and tell us a little bit about his life and his journey so far. So a very, very warm welcome to you, Rag. Thank you. Thank you for having me on um, on your show, and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you um, for being here. It's really an honour for you to come here and to talk to me and to, you know, for the listeners as well. I'm sure there is so much that we're going to learn from you today. So tell us, how are you? How is life in your world at the moment? Yeah, I'm doing well, and um, uh, some of the talk you shared earlier, I'm doing my best to soak up the weather as well, the sun. And mm-hmm. it's the sun's wonderful when you've got time off to go to the beach or something like that, but when you're inside working and taking client calls and doing more, it's not as enjoyable. But uh, I'm doing my best um, <laughs> to just uh, make the most of this time because we're in a very, very interesting time. So one day at a time and uh, do my best to enjoy it and uh, you know, see where we go over the next couple of months. Yes, it's it, in a way, it's like, I always liken it, Rag, to that we've bought tickets to some sort of fairground ride. I don't know where it's taking us, but it's too late because we're there and we're going on some sort of an adventure. And that's why, how I feel about life at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. It, um, I use theme park analogies a lot with my clients, largely because I'm not a okay. um, roller coaster fan, but it does remind me of that, that we're almost in the queue now and it's too late to turn back because there's a line of people behind you and there's not long to go to you on the ride and you're just hoping you enjoy the ride and you come off it not with ice cream down your shirt and, <laughs> and uh, as you do when you go on roller coasters. Yeah. So um, yeah, lots of fun stories I could tell you about you know, those experiences going to theme parks. But yeah, as you say, just... Um, yeah, just doing my best to be on the ride because, I'm, you know, as we spoke about earlier, I don't think anyone saw the lock, lockdown coming coming into play and yeah, everything else is going on. So for me, it's just a time to step back and really do the doable, you know, do what's in my control and actually reflect on how I can enjoy my life right now and even be better and do more in the areas of my life that are really important to me post the lockdown. So it's been a really useful time and great for reflection as well. Yes, a time for reflection. This is very true. Now, for the listeners, Rag, tell us a little bit about how your story began and what made you become the highly successful coach that you are today. Where, where, did, it, where did all that start from? So for me, and I think this is the case with a lot of um, coaches as well that I come across that I rarely meet anybody that just wants to be a coach because I want to become a coach because I like the idea of what coaching is. Whereas, and that is true. That's definitely one reason I do what I do today. But what brought me to the point where I am today is I struggled a lot when I was younger. As a child, I went for a number of you know, challenges and, and setbacks and I really struggled with my mental health. So when I was 17, 16, 17, I grew up with the pressure of coming from an Asian environment where there was pressure to perform and do well in your exams and you got to succeed. And 
and I really struggle with that. So as a, as a child, I struggle with this pressure and, you know, I grew up in an environment where I didn't see my, my dad that much. So for a couple of weeks every year, he'd always be away on business, come back and forth. So for me, it was a bit of a challenging time. And when I was around 17, I really struggled with all this pressure and stress that I, I went into depression and I, I really struggled. I had such low confidence at that age and I struggled with my depression. And I developed an eating disorder as well, where my weight is fluctuating from one, one phase to the next. And it was a really horrific time for me. And, you know, when I was in that space, I had no idea that I was struggling with mental health. I had no idea it was any of that. I just mm. thought I was lost. I was stuck. I was a loser. I, I felt really bad about myself because even back then, even now, mental health is becoming more widely spoken about. People are really in tune with mental health being a normality that we all struggle with. But back then, it's almost like I felt I was outcast and not a lot of people would understand what I was going through. So a lot of that journey, but I've really struggled. I was in such a horrible place in my life at one point when I was younger that I just felt I'd messed up my life. I'd failed. I just wouldn't be able to make anything off myself. And almost without realizing it, inadvertently, I'd turned my entire life around and I started to thrive. I went to a great university. I really, you know, somehow went from someone who's struggling and lost and low confidence and had no self-belief and all these other things to oh. actually being in a place where I really felt good about myself and I was doing really well. And I remember at one point as I was leaving university, entering the into the job market, my parents were saying, you know, Raghav, you'd be a really great motivational speaker. There's just, you're very inspiring. There's something about you, you're a great speaker. I just really think you should look into it. And I'm probably guessing they had no idea I was going to take them seriously. Mm. Uh, they, they said that to me over dinner and I had this light bulb go over my head. And I thought, there's something in this. And I researched this industry like crazy. And I saw motivational speakers, coaches, all these other sorts of things. And I just felt so much in love with high performance coaching. And that for me is, if I'm with someone right now, what can I do to help them get the most out of themselves? Because if I had this understanding that I've got now, I wouldn't have gone through half the things I went through as a, as a child. I would have had a much smoother journey. So for me, I fell in love with high performance coaching, which is very real. It's a bit more substantial, like working with clients and helping them have insights, which profoundly and powerfully changes the way they look at the world. And that's what I do now. That's what I love. So for me, I just became so obsessed by this journey. And I thought, how can I learn more of this? How can I become better? How can I really be a great and effective coach? that can help clients in extraordinary ways and in ways I didn't have. And that's what's led me to what I do today. That's quite a story. And it's an amazing story that you were able to transform that um, very difficult time in your life to something now where you are actually helping other people not to go through the same things and effect that you went through. Rag, what is exactly, for the listeners, a high-performance coach? What's the difference? Because I read also um, somewhere that your clients, it, it's not for everyone, is it? I, and is that because you're very strict? Or what is that? Tell us a little bit about that. So it's a really great question because my definition of high-performance has changed so much over the last few years. If you heard what I had to say about this four years ago to what I've got to say about this now mm. is almost like you're listening to do to two different people. Mm. So for me, when I talk about high performance, 
it's how you can get more out of yourself than you can by yourself. Like how you can ensure you can get the most out of yourself in your life and in your business. Now, do I believe you can constantly be at high performance? I know a number of people talk about this in this book. So say high performance is being extraordinarily and consistently well. And I don't believe in that because I just don't think that's possible. I just don't think it's very human that, and I think we're in a day and age today where so many people are listening to a lot of these conversations about how you have to be extraordinary and you have to always be amazing. And that's why mm. so many people are struggling with their mental health because they're struggling and they think they should be something other than what they are right now. And so my definition of high performance isn't you have to be always the most successful version of yourself where you have to be pushing your boundaries all the time, that it's about how can you create an extraordinary life in your terms and live in the most extraordinary way. And does that encompass everything? For example, career, personal life, family life, or is that just focused, for example, on your professional life? So for me, if I were to describe what I do with my clients, I help them reconnect with who they are and something that I call their genius. You know, their, their own instincts, their intuition, their intelligence. There are so many words that people use to describe it. Entrepreneurs mm -hmm. use the word intuition. Because the thing is, with high performance, and this is my own journey, I came in thinking I needed to do all these things, be all these things, have all these things. And the truth is that I put so much stress and pressure on myself that after I turned my life around, I went from being well, struggling with my mental health to actually having more pressure because I needed to be successful. And what's important to me is that we're not setting an artificial level of success. We're not creating a bar about what we think success is when in fact that's not what success really is to us. That what we're inspired by is something totally different. So if someone is really inspired by their career, they can go and follow their career. But I've worked with so many clients who have this definition of success, but deep down they don't want it. Deep down it's what their parents wanted. Deep down it's what they think they should do. Deep down it's what they think they need. And in fact, when we strip all that away, my clients can get a real sense of what is success and an extraordinary impact going to look like to them. And when they connect with that, it's wonderful because what I find is when they then become successful, they can have an astronomical impact on the world around them. So for me, it's almost about reconnecting with what's important to you and what is the impact you want to make in the world? What's the difference you want to make? If you can forget about what everyone else is doing and just really coming from a space of full ownership of who you are. So it's really, you know, when people say, well, you know, that person is successful and that person is doing well in life people usually use it as a blanket term absolutely and that is you're you're very right there that you say that is where people then begin to suffer with mental health and depression and anxiety because it, it, it then begins the game of comparison and that game of comparison is a dangerous one because we're never going to be like anybody else and mm -hmm. what you and i might think of as successful the person down the road is probably it's further can't be anything further than the truth so how do we find how can we find as individuals the road that takes us to our own success what is that success is it peace is it what is it you know, it's, I, I just think it's looking for not direction, but looking at inspiration. So it's looking at what are the things you're most inspired by. 
And that would be the first thing that I'd say that there's so many people out there in the world that you can learn from, you can be inspired by. So that for me was, you know, people like Richard Branson, people like Lord Alan Sugar, people like Lord Karen Billamoria, who's founded Cobra Beer. I'm a big fan of, a, bag of, a fan of his. And there's so many more people out there in the world that are doing such incredible things. And it's just being inspired, but not just inspired by what they're doing. That's where people go wrong. They think I need to create that success. It's, it's not that. It's almost a deeper question that I work with my clients on, which is who are they being? Who are they being in the world? That's where you can get a sense of what really inspires you. So someone else I love is the Indian cricket captain, Virat Kohli. I'm a big fan. I'd love to actually meet him. I'd love to coach him, in fact, you know, just because of who he is in the world. Like mm. he finds something he loves and he's committed and he throws himself in and he plays full all out and he doesn't focus on artificial success. He focuses on what can I give? That's the space to come from. And that's what's even more powerful. So how you figure that out for yourself is number one, give yourself time and patience. You know, it's mm. playing the infinite game. Success isn't created by having all the answers right now. Because the truth is no one has the answers. I don't have the answers. I don't know what things are going to look like in the next two, three years for me. And people think, well, Rag, you're a coach. You've got it all mapped out. Well, no, I'm just really good at making it up. I just <laughs> look like I'm confident, but I'm just making it up. Like, I don't actually have the answers. No one has the answers. As Reid Hoffman famously said, an entrepreneur is someone that jumps off a cliff and builds their plane on the way down. Mm. Your expertise isn't having your plane built. It's building your plane as you go along. So it's playing the longer-term game, which is giving yourself time to figure things out. The second thing is throwing yourself into opportunities right now. So if there's an opportunity to start a business that you're really excited about, so many of us hold back on our dreams and our goals because we're worried we're going to fail. What if I don't succeed? What if, what if, what if? And it's about leaning into the things you're really excited by and giving yourself the chance to go and do those. And that's how you're going to figure out what your, like, what your calling is or what your, I don't believe in a purpose. I believe we make up our purpose as we go along. Purpose changes constantly like the weather, but you'll get a sense of what next. And that is so true because even for me as a coach, I didn't think I'd be coaching the clients I do today. I didn't think I'd be doing, like even now, I've got a goal of taking what I do into politics. Mm. This wasn't my goal one year ago. It wasn't my goal two years ago. That things change so much while you're in motion. So your goal isn't to figure things out. It's to be in motion doing the things that light you up. It's the perpetual change that we are part of in every moment of our life. And I suppose allowing that movement to take us with the river where we are meant to be at that particular time. Now, you want, did you say that you would like to get into politics? Absolutely. And what would you like to do in politics? What particular role would you like to do? Well, for me, I'd love to be an MP. That's one of my goals. And people often say, well, Rag, why would you want to be an MP? You know, look what mm. you stand for and look what you represent and it's a minefield. And I just look at, the political constitution right now as an opportunity like as a vision for what it could become because i look at politics today and there's a lot of ah, there's a lot of hysteria there's a lot of politics about politics there's a lot of disbelief and i know the younger generation especially aren't represented well and they're very uninspired by politics and they'd, they'd rather be doctor dentist lawyer banker uh, mm. entrepreneur and i i think why like politics is what governs our a lot of our uh, decisions today economically it has such an impact that it's a shame that the brightest talent from the youngest generation 
uninspired about going into politics. So for me, I want to create politics as more of something that people in the UK and especially over the world are very inspired by, that we're creating leaders that come into government that we can look up to, that we can learn from, that we're inspired by. You know, we stand for really good values. And I know that's not completely the case right now in the UK government. And I'm not talking mm. about any particular party. I'm talking about the whole body. But I just see such a great opportunity here. And that's what I'm really inspired by. And that's one of my longer term visions that I'm working towards slowly and surely. Now, how easy is it or how difficult to become an MP? Well, from what I know, it's not the easiest in the world that you've got to really. And you see, I don't. I don't really use this distinction easy versus hard because I think it's it's a thought model. You know, it's a made up thought of something is easy, something's hard. It's very subjective and it can mm -hmm. actually sway you away from doing the things you want to do. That is something if there's something you really want to do, you'll go and do it and you'll figure out how to do it and you'll you'll achieve it in time. So if politics is something someone wants to do, they've got to put in a lot of focus, a lot of energy from building your reputation in the party, from connecting people, getting to know people, building your networks, doing more for others, spending time in the community, you've got to put in a lot of energy and time. Then even to become an MP, you've got to sacrifice your weekends. So you, you've got to give up a lot of what you're doing to campaign, to speak to voters, to, it's just like running a business. You've got to be with mm. people, understanding who they are, what they need and how you can help them. And really showing you care and you want to do more for others. And, it's even that itself is just it's what i call stacking the deck in your favor does that mean you're going to be an mp no but does that mean it's going to move you closer towards where you want to be probably yeah but you know it's all up for grabs so there's no guarantees no there are no guarantees but unless you try you don't know this is another thing isn't it now you say that you don't believe in things being hard or things being easy is that what you said yes so what is the way that you look at things as opposed to being hard or being easy? Because that's one of the things that stop a lot of people, actually. This is just going to be hard work. I can't be bothered with this. You know, um, I'll try it, but I can't, you know, it's not, it's not for me. Or mm -hmm. it's too easy and it can't be worth anything. So what do you, how do you look at this, Rag? So for me, I... I try and boil things down to the most simplest, let's say, principles that I can. Because when I think about easy and hard, mm. what we're doing is we're not talking about something that's a fact. We're not talking about life in itself. We're talking about what we're making up about something that we're going to do, which hasn't happened yet. So we're basically predicting the future, which, as you and me know, we're not very good at. And that's why people will feel demotivated because what they're doing is of ramping themselves up with their thinking about something's going to be easy or something's going to be hard. So let's just say that something's going to be hard. They ramp mm. themselves up with all this like thinking and what they do is then they don't get into action. And that's why people are demotivated. You see, you don't even need motivation to do stuff. Like I don't believe in the concept of motivation. Like, you know, I don't, I don't need motivation to brush my teeth. I don't need motivation to have breakfast. I don't need motivation to speak to you. I'm speaking to you because I want to speak to you. So I'm doing the things I want to do because as humans, we're naturally built to go and do things. We're built to grow. We're built to succeed. We're built to do the things that light us up. And that's why I don't look at this as a motivation problem. Why we get stuck is because we're caught up in the trying to predict the future problem. And that's where we fail. Because if something like right now, um, 
Mimi, if I, if someone told you, if hmm. you left the house, you're, I don't know, like, let me think of a random example. If, um, if you left your house today, something bad was going to happen. Mm. If you genuinely believe that you wouldn't leave your house because it looks real to you. That's why we don't do things with what we call motivation problems, because we're making up things about what's going to be and what's not. And the thing is, we're not even in that moment doing it, that if we give ourselves a chance just to go and do something, we'll be in the moment, we'll be doing what we need to do and we'll be succeeding in it. So I like that principle, actually, of it's neither easy nor difficult. And I've actually never looked at it in that way. So it is about actually, we've come back to fear, which is something that I wanted to talk to you about. People are afraid, brag, mm -hmm. and they're afraid to move. They're afraid to stand still. The things that I'm noticing even more now is that people are just afraid. It's mm -hmm. just overtaken, whether that be the circumstances that we're all in now, with this whole virus, whether that be about work, about family, whatever, a lot of people that I know have just stood still. Mm -hmm. How do you then, if it's not motivation, as you say, what is it that can actually help somebody that is actually petrified at this time move? So one of the things that I recommend a lot of my clients to do when they're feeling fear mm. is firstly just to recognize what what fear is in itself like what fear as a concept is fear isn't usually it's not usually something that's happening in real time that we're worried about so when I mean real time real time is something happening right now in this moment mm. something that's happening in this moment itself and it's if I use the example of the roller coaster, so I use this example with a number of my clients, it's yeah. like being, it's like going to a theme park and wanting to go on a roller coaster. Now I was delivering this, this talk for some people in government at one point, and I shared oh. this same example. I said to them, because we were talking about how to navigate uncertainty. Yeah. I said to them, what do you think the scariest part of riding a roller coaster is? And what do you think they said? I don't know. Tell me. They said the scariest part of riding a roller coaster, and I agree with this, this is my view, is when you're in the queue. It's <laughs> when you're in the queue because you're standing there thinking about why you watched one of the Final Destination movies the day before you went to the theme park. You're thinking about the roller <laughs> yeah. coaster coming off the tracks, and that's what fear is. Fear is our natural inbuilt protection mechanism kicking in. So it's so okay to feel fear, but where we go wrong is when we turn fear to worry. So fear is a natural instinct that comes through. It's a natural response mechanism. It's like when you're hungry, you're going to feel hungry. When you eat, great, the hunger goes away. Fear is natural. And if you don't do anything with fear, what's going to happen is the fear will melt away because you can't constantly be scared. It's just a feeling you have. It's just something that's happening in the moment that you're feeling. And it's going to melt away. Where we go wrong, though, is when we step into worry. So this fear versus worry. Mm. Worry is where we then take our fear that we think something, what if something's gonna happen? And we start expanding it in our mind. We start playing with our fear even more. We start worrying about our worry. And that's why the, being in the queue in a roller coaster is the scariest part. Because you're in the queue thinking about all the things that could go wrong. But when you're actually in the roller coaster and you come off it, 
you've probably had a really good time and you've enjoyed yourself. You've had a great, and especially with me, I come off the roller coaster and I'm you know, saying to my friends and family, wow, that was great. Let's go and do that again. Because <laughs> the event itself is amazing. The, the event itself actually can be okay. You know, we can, we can work things out when we're actually in the moment in real time. But why we struggle with fear is we're not in the moment in real time. We're thinking about all the things that could go wrong. And that's what we're feeling. We're not feeling something that's happening. We're feeling something that we're making up about the future. Well, as I said to the guys in parliament, it's not uncertainty that scares us. It's what we think about uncertainty that scares us. Give me an example. So, a, so a, great, a great example mm. is, and I see this a lot with entrepreneurs, is something along the lines of, well, Rag, I'd love to do this, but what if I fail? I'd love to do this, but what if it doesn't go well? Or I would love to start a business, but I don't know if I'm going to succeed or not. And we're so worried about not having all the answers. We're so worried about a situation we've created. Out in the future that we've made up, that's what we're feeling. We're not feeling something that's happening to us right now. We're not experiencing the failure right now. We're not experiencing, because if we were, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. We would be reacting to something that'd be happening right now in real time. Like if there's a lion or a tiger that would jump out in front of you, you would run away. You would do whatever you need to do to protect yourself. Mm. If there was a fire that started, you would call the, the fire ambulance, or the, fire, the fire, fire brigade, sorry. Mm. If there's something that happens, usually we respond to it in very real time, in the moment, as we need to respond to it. But the challenge is when we're playing the game of fear, it's really helpful to see that what we're not doing is responding to something in real time. We're responding to something that we're worried about happening in the future, which may or may not even happen, but it's just what we're predicting. What about, Rag, when people are anxious, for example? I'm finding a lot that people are afraid to even go out of their house because there's an anxiety connected to that fear. How do you deal with that, that you're actually afraid to go out of the house, although it's not really real in some cases, if you were to go into your car and just drive around for three hours, there's no real danger there. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that type of anxiety and fear? Well, the key thing is that with anxiety and fear, oh. how I look at it is that sometimes people have this view that it's a bad thing to feel a little bit anxious or it's not ideal to feel fear. It's something you shouldn't have. And I actually turn it the other way around. I say, well, actually feeling fear and feeling anxious is a very normal thing that everyone in some way or form experiences anxiety. Everyone experiences some, some form of fear because that's what we do as people. It's normal. We feel our fears. We feel our thinking. And it's such a normal experience. It's such a normal thing to do. But what is really helpful is when we're feeling that, firstly, just allowing yourself to feel it, recognizing it's human. You know, I think one reason we struggle with anxiety and one reason we struggle with fear is because we think we shouldn't have fear. We think fear makes you weak or you need to overcome your fear. And it's like people say you've, it's something you've got to do. And what I know is whenever I take my fear seriously and I try and do things with my fears, I feel fear even more. But the biggest thing that has an impact for me is when I'm feeling anxious. Mm. And I, I today feel anxious for no reason sometimes. I'm, I wake up and I'm having a really good day and suddenly I'll just get a little bit worried about something. 
what then makes sense for me to do is to actually just slow down and let my feelings pass. Because then when that happens, you'll have moments when you feel anxious and moments when you're calmer. When you're calmer, you're then able to make a much better decision. Like if you want to go out the house, it's like right now, I'm in the house. I haven't really gone out much, even into central London. And it's 10 minutes away on the train to get to Victoria. Mm-hmm. I've been craving to go into London because I love it. But because I'm slightly asthmatic and struggle with asthma, I've just mm-hmm. been on the side of caution. Now, as I'm grounded right now, I feel okay. And it makes sense for me not to go into London yet without getting a mask first. Mm. At the same time, there's certain things in my business that I'm worried, should I, should I not do this? But when I just allow myself to calm down and ground myself, I get a sense immediately of whether I should do something or not. So if you are feeling anxious and you're feeling a little bit worried, the key thing is to actually not beat yourself up about it, to not give yourself a hard time, but to give yourself time just to let your worry and your thinking just to settle. Because that's what we're built to do. When we experience stress and worry, our body's naturally built to help our worry and stress subside over time. And then you feel clearer. And if you want to go into London or if you want to go out, you'll go out. If you think, well, actually, it's not the best idea to go out for some reason, you'll then know because you'll be working with your common sense. Do you also think, I was thinking about this, right? And I was thinking whether sometimes the fear and anxiety that we have is human beings is that actually our gut instinct or our inner voice however you would like to call it is trying to tell us something but we're ignoring it when i think of anxiety and fear or any Mm. feeling what that what makes sense to me about that is whenever Mm. we're feeling whatever we're feeling in the moment only shows us where our thinking is at it tells us exactly what we're doing in the moment with our thinking. So if I'm feeling worried or stressed, I often don't think that's anything necessarily to do to what's to come because we can't see what's going to come. Often why we're worried and stressed is because we're not in the moment, but we're making up. I'm a little bit concerned about what is yet to come. And that's why we're worried and stressed. That's what I think the nature of our feelings are, is that they just tell us where we are as it like it's a compass whether you're north south east and west which way you need to go i think mm. whenever we experience our feelings it just gives us a really good indication of what we're doing with our thinking that's what i found really helpful but then as you and i create a distinction between inner voice and feelings so my intuition feels mm-hmm. very different to me from when i'm feeling stressed but intuition for me yeah it is almost like you have intuition is like listening to the radio in, in your house. You got the radio on and one of your friends comes in really loud and he's speaking on the phone. You can't hear the radio anymore. So what it makes sense to do is to tell him to, you know, either go into another room and take his call. And as he does, as you're no longer listening to all the noise of your worry and your fear and that Mm. passes, you can then listen to the radio again because that's always playing. It's just sometimes we get so caught up in our fear and worry that we stop listening to the radio. The radio being our intuition. Our intuition, yes. Is that something that you follow a lot, would you say? For me, absolutely. Because I think we're constantly living with our intuition. Like we're making thousands, and people don't see it this way, but necessarily because we're not taught that this this is the nature of who we are and our performance and our life and how we run businesses so well. 
But if you think about it, we make thousands of decisions every single day. We make hundreds and thousands from what you're going to do, what you're going to eat, who you're going to speak to, what, what's going to come next in your life. That automatically, we're really good at making things up. We're so good at making up what we're going to do next, what action we're going to do next, what we're going to say, uh, which person to speak to, what business to run. That we make business decisions on autopilot. We make life decisions on autopilot. That we're so good at navigating the unknown because that's what we do on autopilot. So when we talk about living through our own intuition and our own, mm. like getting a sense of, you know, what next, I think that's really the only way we can actually live our life effectively. And I think that's what we actually do a lot of the time, but we're not aware of it, which is why we actually get up in our stress and our worry. And we, we sometimes get a little bit confused. Yeah. Because I think that for me anyway, if I don't follow my gut feeling or my intuition, I call it my heart also, I have to say. Um, mm. I always go wrong because I know really deep down I have the answer to everything. But, you know, like all of us, we're human and we forget and sometimes we're afraid. But I think mm. fundamentally we know what is right for us and what is not right for us. And sometimes we need a reminder, don't we? Yeah, yeah, that, that's it. And I think you know when we're in times as well where we're not really sure which way and i'm sure your listeners will be you know thinking this as well that well i don't know what i need to do right now yeah. that is a very normal thing to do that's a normal place to be in because how many times have you said this to yourself oh i just don't know what i need to do next oh i'm not sure how i'm going to figure this out i'm not sure i'm not i'm not how many times have you been in that place yet still you've managed to figure it out and you're in this place again where we're saying i'm not sure what i'm going to do next that's because sometimes in moments you won't know what you need to do next because you can't always know. You know, life isn't a flat curve on a graph. Life is, you know, very hilly. It's ups and downs and twists and turns. And there will be times like now, I think nobody knows what's going on, but we're able to figure things out if we can just give ourselves some time and patience. Yes, patience. And what advice would you give, Rag, to people like you say, that are out there now that say, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know. I don't know what to do with my life. So what I would say in a way is number one, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep going because not knowing isn't actually a problem. This is going to sound so counterintuitive, but I first, when I came to the work of being a coach and I started doing this work eight, nine years ago, I always felt I needed to have all the answers I needed to know. And what I was doing was confusing that was make it with making noise for the sake of it. So I'd be telling myself to do, to do actions for the sake of doing it. So I'm always in action and I'm always doing stuff. Now that's not a problem unless you're going in the wrong direction. You see, making, doing things and moving forwards is helpful, but if you're moving forwards in the wrong direction, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's about, true. Yeah, you're just heading in the wrong direction. Like it just doesn't help. It it doesn't help you. You know, it's um. So it's about actually recognizing not knowing isn't a problem. Again, we have this societal conditioning that oh, you don't know. That's a problem. I need to get clarity straight away, and we forget that it, it's like saying not knowing, like making that a problem is like saying oh well, I'm not feeling awake. I'm feeling tired now. I need to sleep at night time. Well, no, that's our nature. At times you will be sleeping, you'll need to go and rest. At times you'll be energized, you'll be ready to take charge of the day. 
our nature is also that we can't always know what we're going to do next. But here's the thing. Every day you're consciously making decisions or subconsciously. You're doing things every day that make sense to you. What you've got to do is think about if you're not sure what to do next in your life right now, just give space for opportunity to come through. Give space for ideas to come through because ideas are an inevitability. Ideas are inevitable. So if you allow yourself to, ideas will come through to you in time because you've always figured out. And you will get a couple of ideas of, you know, I could do this next. I could explore that. And the key is to then act on the ideas while you're living your life. Or if you're not sure and you think, well, I've got no idea what I want to do next. Look at what inspires you. Look at the things that light you up, that excite you, that give you a good feeling. And then go and follow those and do those things. And you will get some more clarity. Because clarity, when you are not feeling clear, clarity is an inevitability. You know, I think I shared this quote on Instagram recently that um, okay. I think clarity always follows uncertainty. Clarity always comes after uncertainty. So knowing always follows the not knowing. They're very wise words, actually. That's very true. And how can we facilitate that space for clarity, Rag? Because sometimes it's, there's so many things going on, you know, mm -hmm. whether that be from outside influences such as the TV, whether it's social media, whether it's friends or family or colleagues. How can you distance yourself enough, possibly daily, to gain that clarity again? So for me, one of my favorite distinctions that, um, and I love distinctions because often they can be very paradoxical as well. There's mm -hmm. a lot of paradoxes in life that, you know, for example, the paradox here is, you know, slow down in order to speed up. Mm. That if you try and bring a lot of high energy and pace and action and inertia to everything, it doesn't quite work that way. That there's a lot of things that actually require us to slow down and give ourselves time. And we think, well, that's just being lazy and that's procrastinating and that's not doing anything. I'm not talking about not going with your own common sense. What I'm saying is that when we're not sure about something and we're looking for clarity, the thing to do that is really helpful for all of us across the board yeah. is just giving ourselves, ourselves some time to like, just figure it out. That's what slowing down means to me. Slowing down doesn't mean do nothing. Slowing down means just being okay with the uncertainty, being okay with the uncomfortable. And the more you can feel okay with the uncomfortable, it becomes comfortable. And that's what I'm saying about this moment itself. Because right now, if someone said, well, Rag, I'm just not sure what to do next, and I'm a bit stuck. I think mm. we all are. I think that's not an individual problem. That's a 7 billion people problem. That everyone in some way right now is feeling a little bit unsure about what to do next. Because the thing is, no one knows what's going to come next, even outside of the lockdown. It's, um, it's impossible to see the future. But what we're great at is working with things that happen in our life as, in, as they happen, as life unfolds. Really, it's, it's true because it's, it's a huge global and a humanity evolution in some way and an awakening that affects all of us in some way but it for sure affects all of us. That's the guaranteed thing, I think. And what are your views, Rag, on some people are saying that this is mankind awakening to their real self? What do you think about that? 
I think it's a really interesting statement. And of course I can, you know, have a stab in the dark and come up with the right thing that is, but I'd love to hear more about its context from uh, the people that are saying this, but I really think. I mean, in your own heart and soul. Yeah. So for me, what this means is that I just think people have got a sense of what's really important to them. Like that's why mankind is waking up because we've got a sense of the things that are important, the things that are actually of value that we used to take for granted, whether it's, you know, the world becoming cleaner, it becoming healthier. You know, there's all these amazing stories about how in India, and I know this going out there last year, I really struggled with the pollution and it affected my lungs and breathing so badly. Mm. But there's all these reports now about India becoming cleaner. You can see the mountains from cities for the first time and you can see all these uh, amazing things happening around the world that I just think because we're now slowing down, we're coming back to our nature as nature is intended. And I think in a lot of our life right now, it's built going away from the nature of humanity a lot of how we live if you look at things like even in the previous the the old normal i wouldn't really say that's an that's a new normal to aspire to go back to because i don't feel it's healthy i think people more struggle they're struggling more stressed more under more pressure and the thing is it doesn't have to be that way it really doesn't have to be that way and i think there's a lot of noise from the media and the hysteria and more and they have their own agenda but it just doesn't make any sense that the new normal can be very different and it can be the sense of connection people are getting right now because they've slowed down, they're more in touch with their own hearts, they're more in touch with their families, more in touch with their loved ones. They're, they're really evaluating their life. Like when you do something like that, only good can come through, but also not just a deeper connection because we're always connected in this first place. We just forget that there's a connection, like there's an awakening. So it, we're coming back to ourselves in a very, very you know, amazing and real way. But people are more, as you said, like more in touch with themselves. So you know, def- definitely, I do believe that. And do you think that all of us have the capability to create, in effect, a new type of world? Because I don't, I'm, I'm of the view of you, I don't think we can go back to anything that was. I don't think we can in any case, go back to the past. It's impossible. Yeah, you know, the the expression old habits die hard comes to mind that there's a new world that we want to create. I think with, you know, government intervention, I think with business intervention as well, things will start changing. But then in time, hopefully the change for the better. And I'm I'm particularly speaking about, you know, businesses that are telling their staff they don't have to go back into the office again or they can work more from home. I've even had friends of mine and clients that have said that, that um, said to their bosses, they don't want to go back in the office and the bosses have been absolutely fine with that. So I think more people now are going to look after their well-being. They're gonna look after their health, their mental health, physical health. And you know, real steps will be taken that once the lockdown finishes, people who loved working out personal trainers will wanna pick up the personal trainers again and, mm. you know, and so forth. And you, know, you only recognize how much you how much something is, how, some, how something means to you, like how much it means to you uh, when you don't have access to it. And that's yes. what's happened right now for a lot of people in the world. So as things return to normal, people won't take certain things for granted like they used to take for granted. And they'll have these insights, but I just hope people learn from this and they carry on their consciousness. They carry on being activists. They carry on voicing their opinions and educating humanity because there's a lot of education still required. There's a lot to a lot of growth needed. And this is just one of many incidents. And 
hopefully it won't take another lockdown for people to wake up even more. But it's um, it hopefully, you know, we'll take this in our stead and, and move forwards with it even further. So that we can grow as individuals and grow as nations together. And, you know, I'm hoping that we will realize that we are so similar to each other. And that's where, you know, the key is, as opposed to being so different. We have our uniqueness, of course, but fundamentally we're part of the human race. And it's something that we can all strive, even in a small way, I suppose, yeah. to make a difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's just it. And I, there's a lot around these times that's very, that allows one to be very hopeful. And, and especially with the question you asked before about coming back to our true selves, that's what mm. I think everyone's doing. Because the more we come back to our true selves, the more connected we are and the more effective and more leader-like we are. And it's mm. just with a very pressurized society, it's even the small things. Like, I don't know if you've been, if you go into London during the rush hour tour, Mimi, like first thing in the morning. Yes, yes, I've been there, done that, yeah. It, it, it's almost like I feel people have lost their humanity in moments like that. I've seen incidents of men pushing women aside to get seat, women pushing men aside, mm. men and women not, you know, when there's pregnant women that come onto the tubes with the badge, you know, the... The, the TFL badge, people put up mm. the papers over that, the newspapers over their eyes to pretend they haven't seen that person. And mm. that's not what someone does when they're very connected to themselves, when they're in a really great space, when they're very happy, when they're coming from care, compassion, love, heart, soul. You see, all these things are a byproduct of when we're looking after ourselves. And because we're not doing that, we're in the survival mechanism, which is you know pushing people aside to get a seat on the tube and all this other nonsense. It's just reflective of where people are emotionally. So this is a really great time to reconnect with yourself and decide who you want to be in the world, how you want to show up in the world, the respect you want to have for others and humanity. And if people really embody this, then what would happen is there'd be a really, let's say, a better connection amongst people and societies and countries. Because, you know, it's this whole, you know, treat others like you'd, be, like you'd like to be treated yourself. It's very, and it's very, um, you know, philosophical and, virtuous thing to say but i think that's what we're talking about here yeah i actually i really like what you're saying because i totally agree with you rag and i was always taught as a child you know if you don't want that happen to happening to you then don't do it to somebody else and somehow they i don't know they instilled my parents instilled this in me just be as you want to be treated and life doesn't always work out like that, you know. Um, sometimes, however you try to be, life comes and people come and they don't have that. They have that tube mentality of pushing everyone out of the way, pushing, rushing to go to places they don't even want to be at. So that's a very good point. Now, do you feel on a personal um, level, Rag, that you have always been connected to yourself? I think on a personal level, yes, but there's times I forget it because I don't think anyone can be disconnected from themselves. Mm. I think, you know, we're, we're always connected. We just forget that, that we don't. It's, um, it's just in the same way. If it, like random analogy that's come to mind, but it's like mm -hmm. the light bulbs in your house are all connected to the same circuit. It's just sometimes we forget to, slip, to um, switch the, 
the switch on, to flick the switch on, that we're always connected because we always have a sense of right and wrong and it takes something big to happen like Grenfell or what's happened with George Floyd for the world to suddenly wake up and be in shock and awe and, and sadness and love. And, you know, I, I share the same example about Grenfell Tower with people that, you know, I've said to audiences, what's the first thing that went through your mind when you heard about Grenfell Tower? And the words love, compassion, sadness, because that's how much people really care. That's how connected the world is. But sometimes it takes a big event, like a big shock, like a big blast to get people out of their thinking and, you know, back in touch with some of the things that are really important. And in this sense, the lockdowns allowed us to do that. But this is what I challenge my clients on, that if you really want to get the most out of your business, imagine how coming from this space would allow you to do that. It would free you up more. It'd allow you to have a bigger impact. You'd be more remarkable, more extraordinary. You'd touch more people. You'd have better word of mouth. You'd, you know, the list goes on. So it's, um, hopefully it won't take another lockdown to do this, but the lockdown has allowed people to just really, you know, connect to themselves and think about what's important. Has it made you um, rethink about your life and your professional career at all? So for me, definitely. One of the big things that's come out of the back of um, coronavirus is me taking a step back and looking at who do I want to be in the world? And it's been so useful because I look at the, the old normal for me and that's not what I want the new normal to be. For me, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but with more fun, with more play, with more passion, more energy, uh, more excitement. And even in my relationships, I was saying to my other half that I want to be spending more time with her. I want to be spending more time with loved ones. I want to be doing things that just fulfill me a little bit more and not be too serious all the time or all one way about work and business that it's really helped me to see how do I want to experience my life yes to see what difference that you want to make in your life and whatever you decide I suppose if we all decide to make some difference it affects those directly around us doesn't it absolutely it has to it has to. And I, I spoke to someone the other day, Rag, and they were saying to me, I'm looking at everybody now. I can talk to everybody now. And, I, and it was a friend of mine. And I said, what do you mean you can talk to everybody? You talk to everybody anyway. And she said, no, 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 she said, because she was very, she's very shy, actually. And she said, I'm now looking at everybody as if they're in their pyjamas. <laughs> I said, to her, why? And she said, because in a way, everybody's at home and they're in their pyjamas. And they don't seem so frightening now because we're mm. all somehow in the same position. Yeah. You know, but, you know, everyone's individual circumstance is different. But as a whole, we are all at that point of, I suppose, a little bit of a spring in our lives where we don't know, as you said earlier, how it's going to pan out, how the flower's going to bloom in a way and how it's going to work out. So I'm now going to walk around and think everyone's in their pajamas as well, because that's a rather nice thought, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a simplicity to it and a humanity mm. to it. And, mm. and, you know, I like that. I like that because, you know, we all really are in very similar positions. Uh, for some, it looks different and everyone's in different boats, but we're all in the same, we're all in a boat right now. That in some senses that we're all you know, experiencing the same effects of, um, of what's happening right now and yeah, it just makes things so much easier and so much simpler yes 
Yes, it's true. It's true. Now, there was one thing that I wanted to ask you, Rag, um, mm -hmm. in particular, that I know some friends of mine and people that I know, know that you were coming on the show. And one thing that all of them, there were loads of things, actually, they wanted me to ask you. But one thing that was high up, that all of them said, is about confidence. Because mm -hmm. that's something that is a real player in the game of when, and again, we come back to this point of when we don't feel as good about ourselves as we could. Mm. How, what are the, I know there's no magic pill to it, but what advice would you give to people out there that are starting to lack confidence or it's wavering a little bit how how do we deal with that so i i think something that's really helped me around this is very similar to what i shared around fear and anxiety and even motivation in in some senses that the feeling of underconfidence it's just a feeling like in nature, there's no such thing as confidence. Like if you look at plants, trees, animals, they don't need confidence to do what they do. They just follow their own instincts. And that's the same with people. That confidence, I think, is such a blanket term, very much like success, as you said maybe earlier, that mm -hmm. it's such mm -hmm. a blanket term that I think some people almost label themselves underconfident just because they've got a feeling. They've got a feeling of nervousness or something. Just because you have that feeling, that doesn't make you underconfident that's like saying oh, i'm hungry i'm underconfident well no it's just a feeling that your body's producing mm -hmm. so you're feeling the nervousness or you're feeling the shyness or you're about to go on stage and you're a little bit nervous well guess what i i feel the same thing i've done 250 talks events spoken at you know events workshops run my own seminars it's probably about 250 speaking engagements that i've done over the last few years i feel nervous every time i go on stage do you really yeah absolutely like I, because I think that's such a normal thing. And I think many people that talk about it in a way saying, oh, I don't get nervous at all. And, and you know, I, I think there's a little bit of bravado there. And frankly, that doesn't inspire me as much because I think feeling nervous is a very normal thing. It's your own bodily mechanism. Now, sure, in time, like when you do lots and lots, I mean, what happens? And I suppose I experience it differently. So I call it nervousness. Now, do I feel the same way I feel when I did my first talk? Absolutely not that you build familiarity when you do something. You build the familiarity, but you just don't think about it so much. But what, what a lack of confidence is showing us is what we're doing with our thinking. So here's two really cool things to know about confidence. Number yes. one, confidence itself is actually made up. It's just you're feeling a certain way, which is very normal and very human. If you're feeling a little bit worried, that's very normal and very human. The best thing you can do is just give yourself time to slow down regardless of however you're feeling and it doesn't mean you are underconfident no one can be a confident person or not i don't i don't believe in it. i think it's such a blanket term people use it in such a horrific way and they look at someone who's extroverted and they'll say he's confident yes, well no you, do. you don't yeah yeah mm. it, it, it doesn't work that way that it's a really horrible term to use just to make yourself feel bad about yourself so number one you can never be confident nor underconfident you can just feel a certain way the second thing is you don't need to not feel things in order to do things. So you can still go and do whatever you want to do despite how you're feeling. And that for me freed me up to take a lot of action in my business because I thought, well, I'm not confident to do this. Well, I don't feel good enough about myself yet. 
And the thing is, if you don't play the game of feelings, of waiting to do things based on your feelings, you're going to be free to do so much more in your life. Because number one, when you're feeling what you describe as confidence or not, you're going to be so much more okay with them. Like I have times in my life and business that I feel a little bit worried or stressed or scared about something, but I'm learning to be a lot more okay when that happens and so much more comfortable when that happens. And as as a result, it's just not a big issue. I don't need to get rid of how I'm feeling anymore. I don't need to change how I'm feeling. All that's happening is that I'm feeling a certain way. I'm feeling a little bit, whatever. And I make that so normal. And then my feelings pass and I can do whatever I need to do. So if you are feeling a little bit underconfident or wherever you are, why that becomes a bit of a problem Mm. is people make it bigger than it has to be. People are saying, I'm feeling something, but because I'm feeling something, now I'm underconfident. Well, no, you don't need to do the and. You can ignore everything that follows and. It's, I'm feeling a certain way. And as a coach, I'll say to my clients, great, me too. I go there a lot of times myself, but let's look at what's real about it. It's a normal thing to experience. And the more we see that and we can accept who we are and how we feel, the more confident we feel during moments of underconfidence. The more we're able to step into what we need to do, despite how we're feeling. And what about this old, you know, adage of that follows, I don't have confidence to, I'm not good enough actually to do that or to have that success or whatever it is, because it always seems to go hand in hand. When I talk to people, it's always, they're always saying to me, no, I'm not confident to do that. Well, why aren't you confident? Well, it's because I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And it's a very damning statement, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the thing that (laughs) really helps me in in moments like this, I was having a conversation with a client about this. Mm. And what I realized is, and what was it that my, um, it was was in fact a story that that my coach once told me that someone came up to him and said, I just don't feel good enough and I, my self-worth is low. And my coach said well, to this guy, well, what do you mean your self-worth is low and oh. you're not good enough? And the guy said, well, you know, I don't know. I'm just not good enough. And my coach said, well, how do you measure it? How do you measure how much, how good enough you are? Because I'd be really curious and I'd love to see why I am on your scale. What's your, what's your measurement system? Do you have a thermometer? Mm. Do you have a, a <laughs> scale? So how, how do you measure yeah. it? Yeah. And the guy said, oh, I can't. And the coach said, exactly, because it's just made up. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as good enough. And in fact, you're not good enough. And you're not good enough. You're neither. It's not about us. Like when we want to do something, it's mm. not about whether we are good enough or not. That's a very made up thing. It's almost a, a little bit of a vanity thing. That if I want to, let's say, if I want to go and do something for other people, I can go and do it. If I make it about if I'm good enough or not, then it's no longer about what I want to do. It's about who I am. So we're essentially making up a game about ourselves, which is dangerous because I don't think there's anything that can substantiate whether we are good enough or not. So when we're not playing that game anymore, what then becomes really amazing is we then start focusing on, well, okay, if it's not about me, then what is it about? It's about the impact I want to make. It's about the Mm. business I want to grow. It's about the success I want to have. And I was doing the same thing. 
I once asked my own mentor this, my own coach this, and at an event in front of 100 people. Four years ago, I said to him that, hey, I'm going to this event and everyone that's really successful and I don't know what to do or what to say. And he stopped me and he said to the audience, how many of you have been for a challenge in your life which you've overcome and you would now call yourself successful because of that? Everyone raised their hand, even including me, that we are successful by nature. We do things so successfully, paying our bills, eating, looking after our health, looking after our well-being, growing up, helping others, showing up at work. We do thousands of things successfully. We forget it because we look at what we've got to do, how far we've got to go, and we get so caught up in that, and that's why we feel not good enough. Because whenever you're caught up in the future and trying to work out how and what you're going to do, you're always going to feel like you're losing because you're just not there yet. You can't see what's going to come up. So when we, when we see that's what we do and then we stop doing it, we fall back into impact. We fall back into, well, what can I now do that's really going to make a difference for myself and for other people? And not worrying about the future. Yeah. But living in the present moment, which is so difficult, isn't it, at times for people? Because we all have that of where we sometimes tend to live a little bit in the past at times and reminisce, or we tend to look at the future and we start to worry about, as you say, mm -hmm. things that yeah. may never actually happen. That's just you know, it. Absolutely. Made up events. You know, what if? Absolutely. What if? The most dangerous two words yeah. I think what if you know What's scary it? words scary words now rag talking about challenges personally and professionally a lot of people go through them at this time what advice and tips would you give to people right now that are suffering in some way whether that be personally or professionally mm -hmm. what i would say is do the things that make sense to you right now. There's going to be a lot of noise around the world and I'll spend a little bit less time being very in the noise and what people are saying and other people's opinions, because the thing about people's opinions, they're just opinions, even including mine right now, that it's just an opinion. It's, it's made of air. It doesn't mean anything. What is going to land is doing what makes sense to you. So if you're struggling right now, the first thing is be patient with yourself, be kind to yourself because it's a very normal thing again to go through times of struggle. Yeah, you know, I say this a lot, even to my clients, that struggle is a part of the part of the game. That it's if we could play a game without us failing or struggling, we wouldn't be playing any games. It's just it's a part of the game. It's a part of life. It's a part of business. It's a part of mm. you know. I'm a golfer. You know, it's impossible to not to play golf without hitting a ball occasionally into the woods, or losing a ball, or playing football without ever losing a match. It's just not possible that struggle is a part of the game. So what I'd say to anyone struggling is mm. just give yourself time, be very kind to yourself. And again, the distinctions or the, the um, insight, slow down to speed up, the paradox rather, that's really helpful right now. So the thing too is just slow down and just give yourself some time and space, like mental space and what will come through, some ideas and things that you can act on that are gonna make a difference for you whether it's stuff in your, or things you can do in your work, in your job, in your life, in your business. If you give yourself time, you're going to be able to settle and then work out what you need to do next. Be gentle with yourself. That's it, absolutely. Mm. 
and it's not about pounding yourself and beating yourself up because sometimes I see that a lot with people where they beat themselves up over and over again, but it doesn't, that doesn't work. I've always seen that kindness works best. Yeah, it's, um, I read this um, chapter in a book by Steve Chandler. I love this, uh, this again, another uh, great example here that even, even in my coaching, I don't believe in this, you know, no BS coaching that some people have where you just very high flame and, you know, beating people up metaphorically and, you know, yes. harsh accountability. And mm. I, I don't believe in that because if you look at the example of a dolphin, if a, and again, look, I don't believe in aqua life and theme parks and all these theme parks that have all mm. this wildlife and dolphin. I just believe it's against nature and humanity to do it. But mm. um, if you look at, yeah, even then, if you want a dolphin to jump for a hoop, this is what Steve Chandler talks about. If you mm. beat it with a baseball bat, you're not going to get it to jump for a hoop. You may, but it's not going to help. If you feed it fish, it's going to jump for a hoop more. It's conditioning, it's training, it's love, it's wow. acceptance. That's what helps the dolphins uh, do more of that. So that's what I would say to everyone in this time that beating yourself up doesn't actually have any return on investment. You know, we think if I beat, us, if I beat myself up, I'm going to take this more seriously. I'm going to consider this better. I'm not going to make this mistake again. Well, in fact, all you're doing is you're stopping yourself from learning effectively. You're stopping yourself from insights landing and you're just being really harsh to yourself and ruining your day. That's all beating yourself up, up does. And what I find is when things don't go well, you can give yourself time to recalibrate and that's when you're more effective. Very good advice. Very good advice. And what book was that, Brad? I think that was a hundred ways to create wealth. It's a really good book. In fact, it's, I know money is a big thing for a lot of people, including me, as in like breaking your understanding and blocks around money mm. or no, clearing up your understandings and misunderstandings and blocks around money. And it's a great book because as my coach um, himself said that it's the one book he wish he read right at the beginning, even at his early, um, early years after university coming out early twenties. That's yeah. the one book I think everyone should read because it's just, it's so insightful. And that's by Steve Chandler. Yep, Chandler. C-H-A-N-D-L-E-R. Steve Chandler. A hundred ways to create wealth. A hundred ways to create wealth. That's um, a good little gem there to have. Now, Rag, have you written a book? Not yet, but funny enough, I was up last <laughs> night planning out my book because I've always said that I will write a book. I just haven't had any ideas that land for me, you know, something that really fills up my message. But something's coming together for me. You know, I think so, you yeah. have so many wise things that you have shared so graciously today with us that a book really is in order now, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Share the message with the world because these are such practical things, but such simple things. And, it, and you make things sound so simple. And I think this is where the answer is in everything in life. Simplicity is the way as opposed to overcomplicating it. That's just it. I think Einstein said something about simplicity as well, that, well, there's a quote that complexity is the enemy of execution. Whereas if you can't explain something to a, I think he said a five-year-old or yes. a young child, <laughs> then it's too complex. And I really like that. So I don't know how to explain his theory of relativity to a five-year-old, but anyway, yeah. No, it's true. I always, when I don't understand something, I always say to people, pretend I'm five. And it's before I heard that saying, actually. 
And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I don't get it. What don't you get? Well, I don't get anything about it. Can you pretend I'm five? And then somehow, when they put it very simply, there's one of those eureka moments because complication just adds anxiousness, I think. And the fact that I don't understand what this person is saying, then we're back into that whole, you know, where people talk to themselves and it just goes round and round. And the way that you've explained it, thank you very much actually today, is really wonderful because I'm going to write thank some you. notes about this. I'm going to put it around because it's not hard and it's, it's, it's not easy and it's not hard. I love that. That's one of my favorite things I've heard today. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, a lot of these things have come together for me just over the last few years. I'd say, you know, I like to look at what coaches do and describe them like a bottle of wine. They only get better and better and better in time to come. And I look at what I've studied over the last year and a half, two years. I've almost mm. unlearned a lot of what I've thought about performance which is all, you know, go, 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 massive action, hustle, that, look, there's a time and a place for that. And I'm mm. someone that gets a lot done. You know, I'm up late most nights working, but I don't feel like it's work. I'm going with the flow in my own rhythm and my own intuition. So you see there's a massive difference. And that's what I think successful people do very well when they go with their own, their own instincts, whether you're Richard Branson, Elon Musk, Mother Teresa, it doesn't matter. Your success is just art. It's different for every single person. Yes. Absolutely, to go with your, so it is to go with your intuition, and what else? What did you just say? That was very so, good, actually. You said that you work, yeah, sorry, you work late at night, but it's not um, like work, because you go with your intuition, and you said another two things, what were they? Yeah, it's like even, uh, I, I call it like going with your instincts, your flow, your intuition. Yes, you can yes, call it genius. You know, in fact, there's a great uh, TED talk by Elizabeth Gilbert, and she it's your creative, your elusive genius, or your elusive creative genius, something like that. It's a really powerful talk where she talks about genius, and it's an amazing, mind blowing talk. That you know, she she said that a lot of people in society today will call people geniuses, and all that does is add pressure onto them because you can never be a genius, but you've got you're connected to a genius. You can call that your intuition. You can call that wisdom. And Steve Jobs said exactly the same thing. I'm a huge Steve Jobs fan. And, and this is for people that aren't sure right now what to do next and are struggling a little bit. Steve Jobs famously said that you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you've got to trust in something. You've got to trust in faith, karma, religion, God, spirituality. Whatever your belief system is, he says you've got to trust in something that the dots will connect down the line for you. And that's exactly what we're talking about. That if you just feel comfortable with the not knowing and going with your own rhythm, the dots will connect. And it blows my mind how the dots connect. Wow. I don't see them connecting until they're connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how everything arrives at its destined moment. Yes. You know, everything comes to us, whether it's people or situation. And you look back and at the time you think, why was this happening? But then when, as you say, you look back and it makes sense. So it is giving our faith to a higher power and having that faith. Beautiful. I love that. I love that so much what you've just said. Thank you so much, Rag, for coming on. And Thank you. 
you know, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I've learned so much. I'm going to have to re-listen to this, I think two or three times, because there's a lot in it for me that I can take and I'm absolutely sure with the listeners as well. Now, if people would like to contact you or know a little bit more about you, where can they do that? So the best place to do that is either on my website, which is ragavparkash.com. I'm very happy to send you all the, the links and everything as well, if you'd like. Yes, please. Yes, it's, I can um, put that on. Yes. Brilliant. So it's www.ragavparkash.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, and LinkedIn, and Instagram. So I'm active on social media. I'll be starting a YouTube channel. Well, no, I've already got one, but I'll be building it up soon. And um, starting it fresh again. And my website or Facebook is a really good place to reach me. Okay, so potential clients even and things like that, they're free to email you, contact you via your website. Absolutely, website or social media. Okay, brilliant. Thank you again for coming on and please do come again. You know, you're very welcome to come again. And I'm hoping that when we speak again, um, you're going to have a little book in your hand that, um, yeah. that you've written. Well, I'm, I'm working it as we, as we speak. Last night, I had an idea came come through me and I was channeling just a couple of ways I could approach this book and I've got some concepts and chapters already laid out. So I'm working on this. Last night was the first step in that direction. Well done. Congratulations. And um, I'm sure it's going to be fabulous with all those things. Whatever you write, you know, I, I like your style, as I said to you, you know, I think there's something very real about it and it comes from a place of real good, which um, is always amazing in any sphere of life. So thank you again. Look after you, yourself. Amy. You too. And um, hopefully you will be back on the show sometime soon. Absolutely. I look forward to that day. All right, then. Take care. Bye, Ryan. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Raghav Barkash. He is such a fountain of knowledge and wisdom and it is an absolute pleasure really to hear all my guests because from all of them as I always say I have something wonderful to learn. Wonderful really how with the right mindset we can do anything. It is just about taking that power from within us and using it. Until next time, I hope to see you again. Take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk